2: Welcome back in to Early Break on the Ticket, Nick Sater, Jake Bakoven, and now Jay Foreman here with you. Just, Hello, say, it, just say
3: it. Just say All Rise. I say all Rise. The Honorable rise. Jay Foreman. Yeah. Sir Jay Foreman is here. <laughs> but I'm going hey, Bach. look at this. You know what? I'm going to tell, tell you this. Nick right here. I'm going to tell you. Oh, here we Nick go. Nick right here has been working real hard. No, I'm giving you your oh, props. He's oh, 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 yeah. yeah. been working Thank real you. hard. He's been obviously in the morning, taking, you know, stepping in for Jake and Sip. Uh, Jake and Sip. And I'm going to dog them because I know they're probably – let's see, what time is it? So, 1 o'clock. They probably – Oh, no, they're listening. Yeah, they're two or three Guinnesses uh, Sip, deep.
2: Sip probably isn't, but Sip, Sip was, still yeah. snuggled
3: up. Sip struggled on that plane. I'm sure. Sip looked <laughs> like he was, <laughs> he was – picture? He was <laughs> contemplating <laughs> turning around and going back home. So, well, anyways, <laughs> Nick has been stepping in. Admirably, you know, for them. Then coming back in the afternoon, right, Nick? Yep. And then he called a game last night, and then he's been in and out of the – even in the, in the studio – um, so I admire it, man. You know, young guy getting after it and, uh, you know, doing what he's supposed to do, stepping up when he gets the opportunity. And, uh, for a guy like Nick and you know, I would say, Bach, you know, more reps you can do, man. So, I, you know, I'm, uh, was headed down to the, the stadium, uh, to handle something. So I want to stop in and, uh, to have some to talk to some you guys, business, some B- secret, business, yeah, yeah, and secret, I got to, Asia and stuff. I got to see my man, big, big, big Gus in there. Oh yeah. Big man.
2: Gus Gus is locked in this morning. He's I know he is man. He ain't
3: playing no games. It's, he's it's, ready for he's in game mode.
2: He is. He's got
3: the beef jerky. Hey, hat. But, hey, let me tell you something. Hey, you know what you know what the great thing about today is Nick, besides what? being Friday, right? There's there's no hiding anymore. There's not. Hey, you know what you know what I'm saying? Uh Bob? right now 24 hours, we locked and loaded, baby. There ain't, <laughs> hey. Hey, we locked and loaded. There is no time to waste. Okay, there is nothing else you can do. There, there's nothing else that you could do for a game that's going to be in what was it twenty four, twenty eight hours, eleven thirty Central Time. Twenty eight hours, you're locked and loaded, baby. Yeah. Did you? There, ever, did you ever? No have, fair dodging. Do you ever have a coaching staff or just like a team feel like it was scrambling before a game as opposed oh, to? Yeah. Just, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hey, no? the first year at the Texas, I always tell people Dom Capers was great. Charlie Casserly was horrible. He did the greatest thing that Charlie Casserly <laughs> did was made sure that we had jumpsuits, pens and papers, and all that stuff. But as far as getting things situated, wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> now nah, I was blessed to, to go to Buffalo as a as a young player, oh, yeah. and it, they were professional. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I got to Houston, we got a little bit better. But yeah, I mean, I've seen it. I mean, I will say this is uh. And this is coaching. Sometimes, and I will say this about the pros: going to the NFL, I was it was a little, and a lot of guys will tell you I was it was a little bit of a letdown as far as the coaching. Really? Yeah, because here's what the pro coaches think, right? And they're majority of them. Now, if you if you're working for the Patriots, you have no choice. You better yeah. you better coach because Bill Belichick is there at four o'clock. So you better coach. Now there's there's a lot of coaches that are in there, and it's like a good old boys club, right? Oh, yeah. You know, I always talk about the story. Mangini, he, you know, Eric Mangini, he got fired from the Jets on, like, Monday. Cleveland hired him on Tuesday. You just <laughs> ruined a franchise on uh, for three years. Now you're going to go ruin Cleveland. Yeah, so the letdown was the coaching. And so what the pro coaches think, they think once you get there, you should be a ready-made project. But mm-hmm. the teams that really get it, like the Pittsburghs, the Patriots, the Eagles, you know, when Re- Andy Reid was there. Um, you could say a little bit with the Saints now and, you know, so, you know a few other, you know, the Chiefs now is that they'll, they'll still develop guys because they understand, you know, at different levels, you get your access to good coaching is, or coaching period, or the situation that you're in just sometimes doesn't uh, match up. So, I don't think you know, if you, you know, Nebraska's uh, coaching staff, I don't think they're Scrambling. I think it, you know, really what gives you some confidence is, um, you know, they have a veteran coach, coach in a a offense coordinator in Whipple. Mm -hmm. You have another highly experienced, highly capable, um, intelligent coach with a ton of recent, serious success in Mickey Joseph. That gives, that gives, that calms any type of waters, right? And I don't know if you guys were able to listen to Mickey Joseph last night, and I know he called in. It was, you know, choppy kind of reception. Mm -hmm and i've met Mickey a couple times and just talked to him just to you're not even about football but when you have somebody that has superior superior confidence in what they do it comes out in everything that they say and when it comes to this football stuff and coaching receivers and what he's doing there is nobody better and i know they have uh you know ohio state it's probably him and and the guy at ohio state was a Brian hartline yeah so there's those two right so you have the two best receiver coaches, legitimate coaches, not the guy that can recruit yeah. and just roll the ball out there. And I got five, and I'm sure Alabama's guys, but I'm just talking about the two that I have intimate knowledge of. And I'd put those two up against anybody, and I put Mickey up against anybody at any level. Actually, mm-hmm. um, it gives you a ton of confidence because Mickey can go in his whole, his whole mindset. If you if you and I would encourage the listeners to go back and just listen to him, right? And um, and this is. When his whole focus is winning, you know what I mean? I mean, he must have said, We're here to win a game five or six times. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, he could talk, he was talking a little bit about the Guinness and the, maybe the Heineken over there, just yeah. the difference, right? <laughs> right? Which is obviously, you know, pretty cool because it's, yeah. it, it's the real deal over there. But then he got right back to winning. Mm-hmm. So that lets you know he's able to. If he sees some lack of focus, say like in a running back room, he's able to tighten you up. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, it will be a little bit, I'd be very surprised if they just come out and just look like a well-oiled machine for four quarters. Now you could see, I'm I'm sure they script the first 15 plays.
0: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too?
3: 20 plays mm-hmm. so you see some success there right because it's the plays that you're you're repping 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 yeah The really tell all sign will be middle of the first quarter to the middle of the third quarter where you're at because that's the meat and potatoes of the game mm-hmm. and uh now regardless of the score too i'd like nebraska to be up let's stay on track and see if we can get some conventional run game so the excitement's there i think it's a game you know i wouldn't say it's a it's the closest thing to an easy conference game from a known opponent that you should be able to win, and it's just because I look at the the talent and the roster should be such we're such a better team on paper. I will say this: every game besides last year has always been eight points or less. So this is this is easy territory for Northwestern. Northwestern operates like this. Yeah, they it's like the it's like the company that that has the like the Pat Fitzgerald is the. You know the manager and and his boss always comes in and says okay well you know we're cutting your budget down this year all right I'll just go around figure and that, I'll figure out it. and I and he every year he figures it yeah. out so I imagine um, as much as I, you know I'm talking about Mickey Joseph I could tell you this about Pat Fitzgerald and this is what I expect
2: yeah they're they're going to be prepared there's no he, there's no he,
3: question he, about well, it he will not feel the defense like that last yeah. year like he had last year mm. he he will if there's anything else. Forget the offense, Helensky and the running back. Forget all that. From a li- former linebacker that was w- one of the iconic guys, especially in their – I mean, probably the most iconic player in, in Northwestern history.
2: Yeah.
3: That was embarrassing. And it was embarrassing all season. Because mm-hmm. you can go a couple of games where you just get – you know, just – hey, it's a bad. Yeah. it was game one, yeah. <laughs> the game 12. Hmm. He's not going to let yeah, that happen bad. again.
2: It was bad. Yeah, they, I mean, they were both three and nine. Uh, and both teams were three and nine, but Northwestern looked a lot worse in in their in their losses than Nebraska. Yeah. Did. Let me
3: ask you this: Does it matter? Does it really matter? What type of three and nine it is? Do, do you guys see? Make, I, I don't
2: think so. Do, I, I, I don't think it does.
3: I think to a degree it does because then I mean that's the context, right? Because because it does, right? If if Nebraska went through the three and nine Northwestern had last year, Scott Frost isn't back. So I just, it's got to matter at some point. I just
2: feel like you're grasping at straws at some point when, when you go, when you look at the record and say, well, they were close. But once again, it's like you, you lost a game. You lost. It doesn't, you don't get to a bowl game by losing close.
3: I mean, it's the whole thing. Would you rather lose? See, for me, losing a close game stings a lot more because yeah. I, because I can really look at maybe, maybe one or two plays. I could have made one or two plays or one thing go our way that those things ring. that. That's. That's really, really hits you – hits, well, at least you hit me hard yeah. home. Or, but <laughs> but when you get – when you start the game off and you're giving up explosive plays, explosive plays, explosive plays, then you can actually look at bigger picture things. You can actually probably blame the coaches – You're not blame the coaches, but say, you know what, this scheme isn't working. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I, have, I, I say that is because I'll never forget we played Denver one time. Or we were we, – we just had played Denver and we lost to Denver. And it was primarily because – they they were three or four in the red zone and got t- three touchdowns. Yeah. Our defensive coordinator Vic Fangio says, "Well, when we're running uh, uh, cover eight in the, in the field, we you know we were shutting teams down, say seventeen percent. But yeah. when we run cover eight red zone, we're giving up a touchdown. Mm-hmm. You know, sixty percent of the time. Aaron Glenn, who's the defensive coordinator for Detroit Lions, stood up and says, why the M and F and are are you calling it then? Right.'" Mm-hmm. Um, now, and so that's the case. We were giving up explosive plays, and our and it, we, we had our red zone a little bit stretched out because we felt like our corners could, you know, lock up a little bit. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, you got two teams that are in the same situation, but not completely the same situation. Yeah. You got two teams that didn't meet expectations, both of them three and nine, plenty of reasons why you lost games. Northwestern lost games different ways than Nebraska did, and there's a combination of both. But you have both teams that need to play a lot better this year. Now, yeah. Fitzgerald's probably on a little bit steady ground, more steady ground than Coach Frost, so the, the pressure is different. But ultimately, the expectations are the same.
2: How how important is it for Nebraska to off get off to a fast start in this one? Because like from a, I
3: don't I don't really think so. I don't. Okay. And here's why I don't. Really, and here's what they're going to – here's the only thing that they're really fighting. Just a year ago, you beat the brakes off of them, and every play that you called worked. It's yeah. like you played in a basketball game, and us three, we say we we're like 20-something percent three-point shooters, and we were playing Golden State Warriors, yeah. and I went six for seven. We just lit them up. Yeah. So now that's your that's your constant in your mind. Yeah. Big play. Well, Xavier Betts is gone, and who knows how, how we can call plays. So – when you say get off to a fast start, in their mind, that's what they're thinking. Yeah. To me, a fast start is, say we get the ball um, or we kick the ball off, we're off the field within a series or two. Or we get at least two first downs and say they make a good defensive play on a third yeah. and six. Okay, that's a fast start to me. A non-fast start or a bad start is within the first two plays, offsides, uh, lining up bad you know stuff like that or or something like that or you know the tackling's not there or we kind of do something that's kind of replicating of what we did before um now ideally the great start would be we get the ball and we walk it right down and score yeah um but you know a fast start for me is playing good solid football because I think eventually you do that well enough your talent will will supersede a team like Northwestern
2: the, uh, the Husker Hall of Famer, Jay Foreman, is with us here in uh, the building. Nick Sander, Jake Bakov and also here uh, rounding out the and Gus. Friday. Gus is over in the production studio as well. So when we come back, we'll uh, continue this conversation on the other side. 402 464 to hear your thoughts. We'll talk more about Nebraska and Northwestern coming up in a couple minutes. You're listening to Early Break on The Ticket.